This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, November 23rd, and this is Season 5, Episode 12 of the Four Stars First Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. What's up? Joe Leslie. Joe L. Hello there. And John. Lovely to be with you, as always, on this momentous day. Oh, this is an amazing <laughs> week. It's, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, just how thrilled I was this weekend to, to be able to watch Spurs go top of the table in such a big key match, it it wasn't something that I was expecting, like the feeling to ha- to have this this soon. I think it, I I figured we might choke out something with the Jose Mourinho regime, but I, I didn't expect to see us moving into this prominent of a position this early in the season. So I was very excited. Um, how about you guys? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, to be top of the table for um, longer than 20 minutes um, (laughs) is just fabulous. And to know that no matter what the rest of the results were that weekend, we were going to stay there. Yeah, that was uh, that was a great feeling, too. I mean, this is uh, this year is really something. And uh, I know it's early days, but we are top. And that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and well, the thing was that um, a lesser win was the only thing that could have uh, a team could have moved ahead of us in the table this weekend. But with Liverpool beating them, and actually that was the the next point I I want to make. And this came up in the Chicago Spurs chat group, and it was something I had noticed. For those of us that were watching that Liverpool Leicester game on Sunday, um, the one of the announcers, and it wasn't Arlo, it was um, uh, Graham. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he he said something that kind of got a lot of people's go like just really kind of pissed people off in the Tottenham world, and that was he he said that Harry Kane and he was making a comparison to Firmino, I believe that he was a selfish forward or selfish striker, um, which I think last time I checked, uh, Harry Kane's leading the league in assists, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> what do you guys think of that? Was that a little bit a ridiculous statement? Is it just a inherent bias against Tottenham uh, or against Maybe. Kane? But I don't know. For me, I think. Well, a if you're not, I mean, if you're Graham Lasso, you should be following the season because you're a commentator, so you should know what's going on in the league. Secondly, so firstly, that part is false. Secondly, how you're saying assists, he defended or he defends, he tracks back. He's more or less an all-around player. But also, by definition, well, not by definition, but generally speaking, if you're a striker, you have to be selfish if you're going to score, yeah. which is what Harry Kane has done. So, I mean, I when it comes to commentary, I a lot of it's just background conversation for me. I don't take it too seriously. But, I mean, since other, like, Anthony brought it up and other people in Chicago Spurs uh, Facebook group have brought it up, I'm like, 
yeah, it is ridiculous. It's I'm like you you haven't been following it if you if you if you're saying something like that. John? Yeah, I'd um I'm like you, Tommy. I don't normally listen to what they have to say because most of it's rubbish. But that just set that just set me off the wrong way. As soon as I heard that, I thought, you know, you're you're not on top of what's going on. I mean, Harry Kane this year has been uh, a fan, you know his number of assists are, are right up there, and uh, he's been a very generous striker. Now, when he's in a position to uh, to take a goal, he's going to take it, but. No, I think Graham Lasso just was, uh, he wasn't up as as much up on the statistics of uh, of this season as he should have been. Yeah, and Joe? Yeah, I think it's just a bit of a lazy comment because I think what Lasso was saying about Firmino was, was actually a, like true. He was basically saying Firmino is not a goal scorer, really. He's more a foil for other Mane and Salah and others. But he just used a really bad comparison by saying, oh, unlike someone like Harry Kane, whereas if he'd have said like Jamie Vardy or Michael Owen or someone who is a Defoe, someone like that, who was an off-the-shoulder striker, he, he's, it would have been a valid point. But he used the, the worst comparison because Kane's probably the best all-round, like, um, he can play as a number nine, as a number 10, can do, you know, and he, as we discussing the Man City game, he can defend, he can do everything. So it was just a really, I think it was just a, a bad comparison. I don't think there was anything sinister to it. Lasso doesn't seem like he's got a anti-Spurs kind of agenda as such. If it was Lee Dixon, I might think otherwise, but I, I think he just misspoke. It was just a, it was just a lazy, like bad uh, example, I think. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it was it, only a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about uh, Harry Kane kicking the ball off the line. Yeah, and to be fair to him, uh, they had a lot of positive things to say about Liverpool, but Liverpool's been playing very well over the last year and a half. Uh, um, maybe not so much uh, since uh, since this season began. They've had a little bit of uh, tough luck, but they're still there at the same equal in points to us. Uh, but I do understand why some Spurs fans feel like, well, hey, here we are top of the league, and, and you you're, I don't know, sucking off uh, Liverpool uh, all match, uh, talking about their match, but uh, nobody's really commenting on how good we are, and then you have to take a shot at Harry Kane, which is completely yeah. unfair and unjustified. So I, I understand why Spurs fans were a little bit irritated, and let's face it, we all are sheltering at home, most of us, so we have the time to watch this match and actually care about what they're saying, so that's that's also a factor here. Uh, Joe? Maybe we're, the, we're snowflakes. You know, as they say, in a, in a Twitter sphere. No, I was just going to say, like, Tommy made a really good point, I think, about stri like a striker. If they're described as being selfish, I actually like they're meant to be selfish. Right. It's like I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but like I remember when I was growing up, I loved Oasis and people would say, oh, Liam Gallagher's really cocky or arrogant. And it's like, well, that's kind of the point. Right. It's like a rock and roll. It, it's like with Kane, if you're a striker, you're meant to be selfish. You're meant to be driven by scoring goals. That's the whole point of it. And if he wasn't driven by that, he probably wouldn't be one of the best strikers in the world, if not the best striker in the world. So they're kind of using something against him that's actually a, a positive thing. You know, he's clearly very driven. You just have to look at how much he's improved in the, you know, over, over the years. Um, so 
it doesn't even bother me that anyway that they say he's selfish. I mean, it's wrong, but it's also, so what? Like, he's meant to be, have that selfish uh, nature as well, to be a goal scorer like he is. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, but I think that's probably all we have to say about that. Uh, it, 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 I think it just had to be commented on because people were pretty worked up and upset about that, so I wanted to get into it. But but we have something way more exciting to talk about, and that's the, <laughs> the City match. And um, I think we're going to break into this conversation by uh, our own Rick has a statement that he wanted to make. It wasn't so much a question as a statement. So, Tommy, you have that queued up? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, with the results over the weekend and today, a.k.a. Monday, we are first and Arsenal are 12th. I don't have a question. I mean, mm. technically does, but he just wanted to see us to say it out loud. Yay! <laughs> right. Now that, and that, that is something not wrong. That is something to celebrate. Yeah, Arsenal in tw- 12th and Spurs in first. I mean, that's... Uh, uh, and that really is the... Uh, the magnificent thing about this uh, city match, we went into it second place. Um, we knew that we could, could uh, move to the top of the table with a, a win, uh, but still, this is a team that is very tough. Um, I, I think we've had a bit of luck against them lately, um, but we we were able to pull out the the two nil. Like we got the relatively early goal with the with the the sun goal, which was just a magnificent. Like a team effort, um, and we gr- grinded out the game. We 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 got one over on them with a, uh, um, I think a fair call with the VAR uh, um, um, reversal, um, and then uh, we managed to get the, the the second goal and and uh, and hold on to that lead despite them having the the majority of the possession. Um, so. Uh, what do you guys think on this one? We'll just have a general conversation before we go into the next question. So, Tommy? Yeah, so I don't know about the three of you, but I was actually – I mean, we were getting battered before the sun goal in the fifth minute, and then they were keep battering us. And I remember seeing a stat from NBC saying, uh, what is it, 31% possession at halftime makes sense. But the other one that was interesting was uh, Man City. Where are you? They, uh, at the 31st minute, they have eight city or eight city shots since the Spurs goal. So they were battering the hell out of us. I'm not. I don't know. I wasn't really concerned. I don't know. Maybe it's because like Dyer, Toby, they played very well. Hugo, he kept us in the game. He punched some balls, but he did what he had to do. The biggest thing, though, compared to the talent of Pochettino's reign is I wasn't aside like me not panicking. It was I think we just put we were really organized as a team. Like we kept our shape. We knew like the team knew their assignments and they executed it very well. This was a, a, a possibly a Jose uh a defensive uh wonder maybe uh, was it Joe? <laughs> yeah I mean I would slightly take exception with the description of battered us i don't think they battered us at all i I think we controlled you can control the game by only having a little amount of the ball like that's our tactic really that's we're a counter-attacking team we're happy for them to have the ball we're happy for them to take shots from 35 yards that don't come close to troubling hugo i mean did did larice have any saves to make 
I, he made one in the first couple minutes, like Tommy alluded to. Other than that, he didn't really do much. They had the goal disallowed correctly. It was clear handball. So I don't think they battered us at all. I just think that it was our game plan to let them have the ball and for us to hit them on the break. And it worked pretty much perfectly. To, to be fair, Joe, before we go to John, like they did have 22 shots, five on target. So, I mean, that could be it was compared to our four to two. Um, obviously, we were more economical in our shots, but uh, but they were they they were putting a lot of ball, balls toward, towards our goal and and on target. Um, so that could be construed as battering. But I understand your point too that we were set up to absorb the pressure, and that was what Mourinho wanted, and it worked. Uh, so, John, yeah, um, as. Jose Mourinho, when asked about the fact that they had close to 80% possession, said, um, well, why don't you give them the game ball? I'll take the three points. And that's, the, that's what it's about. Um, we defended magnificently. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult when we get to picking man of the match later because the defense was absolutely outstanding. Against a very good attacking team, I mean, let's let's face it, Man City's got um, they got a lot of people out there who can put the ball in the net and uh, and cause a lot of people a lot of problems. And we were, um, you know, we 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 bent, but we did not break. It was fabulous. I thought the defence were just superb. Nope, good point. Uh, uh, Tommy, did you have something? Um, I don't know. You guys pretty much summed it up after that. Joe, you had your hand up, so I'll see if I can add on to what you have to say. Yeah, no worries. I mean, it's it's funny. Like, if you look at the game last year when we beat them 2-0, I say last year, it was in February, like last season. Um, I think we did, like, we did get lucky in that game, to be honest, because they did, I would say they did on that occasion, they did batter us and they missed a penalty and they hit the post and all this stuff, but... I didn't feel like we were really under that much pressure on Saturday. I thought we were in control of the game. We got that early goal. And of course, City had most of the ball. But I honestly did feel like you're saying there, John, that the defence was so strong and Hoybier and the whole midfield was working so hard that I kind of felt we looked like more like scoring on the break. When we did have those breakaways, we looked so dangerous. And that would have been a magnificent goal if Kane's goal would have counted. It was offside ever so slightly, so, you know, oh, fair yeah. play. But it was great. And that's just exactly what we do. We we let teams have the ball. We sit back and we're patient. We're strong. And when, then we hit them on the break and they can't handle us. And we've shown it this season how effective it, that is. Well, and shout out to... Uh... Jose's substitution uh, with uh, Gio Lo Celso coming on. And granted, Ndombele, I think, was having a magnificent game, but we all know that he's not totally a 90-minute guy, at least not yet. Um, but we made that, that, that substitution, and it, it took, what, 30 seconds for Gio to, to, to score his first uh, Premier League goal? Uh, I think it was like 29 seconds, to yeah, be exact. Yeah, so less than 30 seconds, and... And, and and Gio pulls off, and it's it was they went out there and change in tactic. That I I think with the attack where Ndombele is definitely providing you something useful, and he was actually doing a lot more defense than I think we've seen out of him. But Gio came in and 
and they just flipped it and just went on the attack right away and and got snuck the goal in before City knew what hit him. And I was really impressed with the tactical shift. It wasn't a big tactical shift, but I think it, that that player difference, uh, uh, just the the slightly more attacking ability to maybe dribble into the box and. And, and really create a little bit more than Ndombele, where Ndombele can do those through balls that kind of like uh, can unlock it, the, the defense a different way. But LaCelso maybe a little bit more direct or indirect. It's tough to dis- describe, but it, it worked. Uh, what, what do you guys think on that? Well, that was kind of the... I, like, there's... I think they can both play in the same midfield if Lacelso and Ndombele can play a full 90 minutes. The way I see Ndombele is he can actually get those passes. Lacelso can as well, but Lacelso, he reminds me more of Musa Dembele, where if you need to, like he can hold on to the ball for the seconds. He can shield the ball where nobody can dispossess him, so to speak. So with that, like I think in terms of what Josie Mourinho has been doing, and Domboy, he's getting us that lead. He's letting us play the way we want to play. And then with when LaCelso comes on, he just he shields us and helps us get to that. It gives us that extra step yeah. um, to shut things down and by holding possession when necessary, I guess. Yeah. Uh, John? Yeah, and also, I mean, full credit to Mourinho. Um, He had a game plan, and he adjusted it, and we scored another goal. Um, I I think we're really seeing um, someone with enormous experience putting that experience to work for us on the field. Um, You know, I think, like a lot of us, I wasn't that pleased when he was first here, um, based on what I'd seen of him in the past. But, my goodness, am I impressed... I mean, we've had issues with managers in the past having a plan and sticking with it when everybody can see that it's the wrong plan for the game. And we don't, I haven't seen that issue with Mourinho lately at all. Um, I mean, we were ahead and he adjusted it a little bit and that little adjustment paid off immediately. I think he deserves an enormous amount of credit for that. Yep. Uh, Joe? Yeah, I'm just going to echo what John's saying, really. it's Because it, it was a year, wasn't it? Exactly a year, pretty much to the day that he took over on Saturday. And you can't help but say, even the people who, maybe there's still some detractors of Mourinho, but you can't help but say we're a better team now than we were a year ago when he inherited the team. You know, you think back to Pochettino's last game. We had a draw at home to Sheffield United. We looked very average we'd been average all that season we didn't really have any identity and you look a year on now to this team and you you're looking at a team that does have an identity that does have a distinct tactical strategy every game and you've got to give Mourinho credit for that um I I mean I know there's nuances to that maybe Pochettino wouldn't have got the resources Mourinho got and so on but just if you take that out the equation I think you've just got to say Mourinho's done a really good job so far well, quick point, Tommy, and then uh, then we have a question from Peter that you can go into after your point. Sure. Um, well, the thing with Jose Mourinho is that, like, ever since he was at Chelsea, Inter, Real Madrid, Chelsea again, Man U, he's like, it's kind of 
in the similar vein of Pep Guardiola, where it's like, oh, he needs to spend big. So, like, when Chelsea, when he first signed up, he had Paulo Freire. He had, uh, oh, was it, I think it was Deco or some other yeah. midfielder. From Porto, then, yeah. Yeah, so he had Deco. He had, like, he signed Drogba. He had all these other players. I think the biggest difference is, like, A, he learned from his mistakes where Man U, Chelsea, etc. But a lot of the success of Spurs right now, the squad hasn't, like, I mean, there's been additions, but the squad has been carried over. Like, in Dom, what he's got, also, he was already signed, but he's coming into his own last season coming in now. You know, everybody else, like Dyer, he changed back to center deep or a central or center back. So, like, yeah. Bale, like, yeah, he scored a game winner for us, but he hasn't featured as much because of an injury. So, I think it's a, like... Hoyt Bear might be the different. Big yeah, difference. that's, like, literally the only difference that we had. Like, more or less, Jose has... He's brought some new fresh air into the squad and yeah. made some minute changes with what we've had. So you got to give him credit for that too. Well, and Reglion, like those two, and they were oh, both. Oh yeah. yeah, I should say that too. Like those were two key pieces that are different in this Jose squad. But I understand your point. Like we had a, a lot of the pieces that we needed already. They just weren't jiving together. Right. And Jose got that out of them and, and, and added the, the few pieces that we really needed. <sighs> It's maximizing a squad without having to rebuild the whole squad. Right. It was you just had to bring in those pieces that we and most of them we were were pieces that we knew that we were in desperate need of. We knew right. Rose Rose was yesterday's story, and we needed a left back uh, seriously. We knew we needed a right back uh, to, but REA became the, the the first choice right back again. That's a well. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that with Peter's question. Um, but um oh john had his hand up oh yeah let's john go ahead actually well i i think you're right as it as far as the new guys that have come in but also the people that are carried over are now playing better than they've ever played before yeah um dyer took a couple of games to get sorted out in that central mid uh, central defense but he had a magnificent game on saturday yeah. and um Aurier, Best, I think that's the best game he's had playing for us, quite honestly. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't oh, criticize yeah. him, and I've been quick to criticize him in the past, so um, credit where it's due. But there's so many players that are there that, I mean, that are just, than the older guy, you know, Kane, Son. Yeah. It, they're, they're all playing wonderfully. Yeah. yeah. And let's go to Peter's question with that, Tommy. Sure. Uh, Peter's question is, did the City game cement that batshit crazy fact that Serge, Dyer, and Sissoko are now crucial components to our success? Two months ago, you'd have been laughed out of the pub for saying so. I would have agreed with that. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, fair, fair point. I mean, I, Sissoko, I mean, I think he does play a crucial part in a defensive portion that we need with a system like this, especially um, if Hoy Bear is being um, asked to provide a little bit more on the attack than, uh, than maybe we would like him to if we want him to be more defensive-oriented. So I think there is a, um, a fair case. But Serge, as you guys said already, what an amazing game. Dyer, 
amazing in defense, uh, crucial in holding uh, holding City down. Um, and I think Sissoko did his part. Uh, um, I, I think he did have a very good match here. So, Joe? Yeah, I, I'd agree with all that. And uh, I'd say that these are examples of what John correctly talked about because it's not just that we've improved as a team under Mourinho, it's that individuals have markedly improved. I mean, Son has always been a really, really good player, but has he ever been this good? Kane, I mean, you could argue Kane is, and I will probably argue, Kane is better now than he's ever been, even in that 2016-17 season. I think Kane's at the peak of his game. Um, Hugo, I think, is the, the difference in Hugo. Now he doesn't have to mess around with it at the back doing these stupid one-twos and whatever that he was doing when we were trying to play that passing out goal kicks and stuff. Hugo's been the best keeper in the league for the last six months or whatever since the restart. Um, but yeah, th- so just to answer the question though, those players, I, I think Dyer, it's Mourinho just looked at him and thought, you know what, this this guy, he needs a position and it's going to be centre back. And since he's put him there and not played him in midfield, just played him as a centre back, I think he's been really really good. He's had the odd bad game, but it's noticeable when he's not played. Our defence has looked so much worse. Like the West Ham debacle. Uh, he was he was missing from that, and Dyer has been the key player at the back for me this season. And uh, yeah, it's long may it continue. And I hope just quickly on this, I hope Toby's okay because he got a knock, didn't he? That might affect us a bit uh, moving forward. Hopefully, yeah, not. Did, they, did they say what's happening or what I, his prognosis I, I did, is? I did see something that it's it sounds like it is all issue. So uh, they they didn't mention whether it was a tear. Or, a serious pull, but he, it's, he looks like he could be missing some significant time uh, from what I heard uh, earlier today. Yeah, uh, I checked the um, I, I checked as, as many sources as I could to see if we could give him an update uh, on him today. And there wasn't really anything apart from uh, Mourinho's first call right after the game where he said it looked bad. Well, um, but I'm with Joe. We uh, He was magnificent on Saturday. Magnificent. I mean, we're saying Dyer was good, but Toby, <coughs> fabulous. And um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting if he is out for a while. It's going to be interesting how we fill those uh, that centre back situation with um, the new guy not being eligible for Europe. Yeah, that that is going to be an issue, and we'll definitely probably talk about that when we uh, preview the uh, Ludogorets in the second half, but. Uh, but that that's going to be an issue. I do uh, to Peter's question. I do want to uh, give Serge a little bit more time, and and I I do think that having the competition at his position has been magnificent for Serge. Like he's definitely mm. stepped up to the plate and shown that that he's our our first choice. Um, and also, I think he's just such a great clubhouse presence right now, like especially with our a lot of our French speaking players. Like it seems like that, and I know we saw a lot of that in the the. Uh, the documentary series if we, if you for those of us that watch that um and i'm sure some of that was set up to look that way but i, I do think that he has a great clubhouse presence that um w- when you combine that with performing well on the pitch now it's uh it, it really makes him into a, a a nice tool for us and i like that we have doherty to to challenge him um and i do think that there's some potential there with him um uh 
I I do think that he's got to learn the uh, the fullback position because I do think he's way more of a wing back and um, and that's what the challenge has been for him. But um, to have two guys that are probably as good as those two are at, at that position, I think we're in a real really good position right now. Um, any other thoughts on Peter's question before we go to MVP LVP? Well, uh, let's go to MVP LVP then, because uh, we've talked a lot about players now. Uh, so let's start with Joe. Like, who, who do you have for MVP for this one? Yeah, John. John said it earlier. Like, it's it's so hard because everyone played really, really well, and it seems almost unfair. I mean, I'll say for LVP now, there's definitely nobody. I, I can't say that anybody played anything other than like a really, really good game. Um, to get off the fence and actually pick someone, I'm gonna say. I agreed with you, Anthony, that that was the best, or maybe John said it, sorry, Serge's best ever game. I def- certainly agree with that. But I'm still going to go for Kane just because he was just continuing this ridiculous run. He's just like De Bruyne is City's main guy. Everything goes through him. He's a class act. And Kane is becoming, even though he plays a different position, that same kind of a presence. He's just got that aura of someone who's, just a world-class player and he's playing at the top of his game and he was great again um, on Saturday. So uh, I'll, I'll say Kane is. Okay. Uh, uh, John, who do you have? Well, very difficult. I mean, it could be any one of half a dozen, quite honestly. Um, Kane, Holberg, Toby, Dyer, Aurier, all had superb games. Um, I tend to pick the guy who I think surprised me the most by playing, by being in contention. So I'm going to go with Aurier. I thought he had his best game. I've been a critic of his in the past. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was superb. And uh, so that's, that's my pick for the, for this week. That's a, that's a good shout. Uh, Tommy. Uh, I, I don't, I don't agree. Or I mean, I would agree with Joe and John, but I actually, I'm splitting the decision even further. I think Dyer shined the best out of all of them. Um, while Kane does have a good argument because he was involved in both goals, this was a very, like in terms of tactics, it was very defensive. So, and I think the one that shone the brightest was Dyer. I mean, him and Toby paired up right now, I think that's got to be the de facto Center back pairing, Sanchez hasn't been doing well. Tanganga's been out. Roden, he's been playing, but, you know, he's still very young and hasn't made a lot of appearances. And so I can't – I mean, I'm pr- pretty pleased to say that we got some. We got something good for this season with those two. Um, hopefully Toby comes back soon because um, my only issue with Dyer and – you know, whether it be Sanchez, Rodin is just the cohesion, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Well, um, you guys all have good points. I, like, it's tough not to give it to Aria or, and or Kane. Like, and I think I'm going to go Kane uh, just because Kane, it's just when Kane is good, the whole team plays well, and it was certainly an element in this one. But I want to give a shout-out to to Regulon. Like, he had a really tough uh, battle to, to, to face on his side of the pitch, like with Morris and 
at Walker. Like, like he he really had a, a tough competition there. <laughs> and we saw a lot more defensively out of him than than we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing his some of those impressive crosses, him uh, his ability to dribble and speed past people. Um, he wasn't able to do that in this match, but like I, I thought he did a magnificent job of, of holding his own and, and being tough on his side of the pitch with some serious competition there, which uh, was nice to see. So I want to give him a shout out. I don't know if it's our if he's my MVP, but uh, we haven't talked about him enough, so I wanted to bring it up. I'll give mine to Kane. Um, any final thoughts about this before we go to half? Oh, LVP. Oh, uh, I think well, I, mean, I didn't have any. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I don't yeah. think anybody deserves that moniker at yeah. all. No, I don't think we can give an LVP this match. Uh, um, not not when you beat City two 0 and and our game plan worked perfectly. Um, I, I I think it would be completely unfair to give it to anybody in this this circumstance. So yeah, that's let, let's. I wasn't even going to do it. Um, but any final thoughts before we go to half? Okay, well, great half, guys. Uh, we have a lot to talk about in the second half. Uh, but for, uh, we're going to preview both uh, the Europa League uh, Thanksgiving Day for us here in the United States match and the, the Chelsea uh, away on Sunday. Um, we have a couple of other little questions and topics that we want to talk before that. But first, let's go to Tommy's back page update. Thanks, Anthony. Um, as Anthony said, I'm Tommy, and this is your back page update. Uh, in an interview with midfielder Harry Winks, he admits he's in a difficult situation right now as Spurs are threatening his chances of making the England Euro 2020 squad as he's only played 17 minutes in the Premier League since the start of October. Of course, Harry Winks has a role to play in the Spurs squad. Unfortunately, he's low in the pecking order due to Adamble and Hoybeard playing very well at the moment. I wouldn't be quick to sell him, of course, but a, a way to redeem himself and to build further depth for years to come is to go on loan. Um, let's have him start consistently, get a run of games so he can solidify and or push for that England squad next summer and Jose can reassess. Um, another sticking point is Musa Sissoko. While he's doing pretty well right now, he is on the other side of 30. So that is... Food for thought. Uh, next up, in the match day program versus Manchester City, Ford Harry Kane believes that the additions of Gareth Bale and Joe Hart, um, with tied in with their experience of winning trophies, has changed the mentality of the team. Of course, this should not be a surprise. I am not. Uh, the reason is because we don't. We never really had that experience. Hugo Lloris was like one of the few people that actually won a major trophy at the time um i've said a long time that we did need the players that been there done that finally we get that and i'd like to say that i've been proven right the ta- uh we alluded to this previously but the talent has always been there we just need other people to bring it together uh third up is multiple articles state in a release that spurs have suffered a net loss of almost 64 million pounds in the last fiscal year the main reason is due to the pandemic and matches to be played in empty stadiums. As of now, revenue is down from 460.7 million pounds down to 402.4 million pounds. 
net debt rose from 534 million pounds and moved up to 604 million pounds. Of course, this is, this is not surprising. New stadium trying to use the government's furlough scheme, which backfired. And of course, Spurs ultimately taking out a loan. This is all going to add up eventually, unfortunately. Let's be fair. We aren't the only one. This just gets, we just released it. So the press is taking it out on us right now. I'm assuming Liverpool, Man U, Man City, other heavy hitters, they're feeling the same effect. Um, once their numbers are announced, if they choose to announce it, probably just as similar as us. If there is someone to write this ship, it is Daniel Levy, of course. Uh, the argument could be made is um, making things, or he can make things manageable at least until fans can enter the stadium again, which leads to this. Uh, today's news from the Culture sec Secretary announces the return of fans to elite sports events starting in December 2nd. This would allow a mass reduction in fans to enter stadiums with a maximum of 4,000 fans being, into, being allowed into outdoor stadiums in Tier 1 and 2,000 in Tier 2. According to the Evening Standard, London looks like they'll be headed into Tier 2 once the lockdown ends. Um, this is good news and bad news. I think this slows the bleeding down a little bit, at least. Daniel Levy can bring in some match day revenue, whether it be with tickets, concessions, um, the fan shop, etc. I mean, of course, any revenue is good revenue. So why not? Um, unfortunately, this could be labeled as irresponsible as well, um, based on what the government is announcing. I mean, I do lead towards the latter, but of course, I'm not a British citizen, so what, what do I know? Uh, and of course, I'm Tommy, and this is your back page update. Well, thanks, Tommy. And uh, your last two stories are what, the ones that we're going to talk about before we uh, preview these two matches. Uh, but let's talk. Let's hit tackle the financial uh, question first, and we have a Kyle Mates question that kind of goes to it. So let's let's hear Kyle Mates' question and then kind of tackle that topic. Sure. Uh, Kyle Mates' question is: How will the recent financial use? have an effect on the club moving forward? Well, uh, you know, I, I think everybody's in the same position to answer <laughs> Kyle's question. I mean, certainly this is a, a problem, but I agree with Tommy that we're the first to release this and uh, because we're talking about it. And uh, I think the press loves to pick on uh, Spurs struggling with anything, whether it's financials or, um, you know, it's we're a favorite topic to pick on and it's easier to talk about this topic than to talk about Spurs being at top of the table right now um, is kind of my point of view I, I think Daniel Levy is the right person to try and fix this problem but nobody it, I, I think we had this chat in our uh, podcast chat group like uh, is who how many people are really doing well during during the the pandemic in general. So is this a surprise? So, uh, John? Yeah, um, a lot of people in the past have been very critical of Levy, not spending huge amounts of money on players, not busting the bank when it comes to salaries. And I think that that will put us in a much stronger position moving forward than some of the uh, other clubs who have chosen to go uh, uh, less fiscally frugal way. So, you know, 
Levy had no way of knowing that what kind of impact his decisions would make, but he is very fiscally responsible. And uh, I think of any of the clubs, um, I, I like our chances um, uh, when, when the other clubs uh, announce their results, I think we're going to look very strong. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, just a couple of things, really. The, the first of which is because of our kind of business model that we're using the stadium. Well, we were using the stadium before COVID as a extra revenue stream just from like, a, you know, NFL concerts, um, different other events that were taking place there. That's obviously all stopped. That entire revenue stream is just kind of grinded to a halt. So I think it perhaps does disproportionately affect us in in that regard. But obviously, in the long term, that's a that's a winner. You know, that's a great tactic that we've got going on, and it's gonna when life returns to normal, that'll be great for our finances. And the second thing I was going to mention is you may remember I don't know when it was exactly a few months ago the club took out I think it was a hundred and seventy five million loan from the Bank of England um, because they knew that this was going to happen. Every club note, like they, they're able to forecast these things, right? It's not going to have taken them by surprise. They knew this was coming. So they took a bank loan. And I think there were only two clubs that qualified for a rate of, I think it was 0.5%, which is ridiculously cheap for a commercial loan. And Spurs and Manchester United were the only two teams who were able to get that rate of 0.5%. Anyone else would have not been able to get that. And that's testament to Levy's various, you know, things that he's done that have got Spurs to that position. So just wanted to say that I'm not worried about the finances at all. That's why they took this loan out and we'll be fine. It's just riding it out. Like you guys say, everyone's going to be affected. So it's just, we're not going to be any worse off. In fact, we're probably going to be one of the better off teams from it well and i think we also have the benefit we still haven't given out sold our naming rights to the stadium yet and now is obviously not the time with covid like you you don't have the big marketing potential right now no like we don't want to sell it right now uh but i think we were waiting because we wanted that stadium to be called tottenham hotspur stadium while all these nfl events were happening the first go around where so people heard the name Tottenham Hotspur in the United States and around the world with all these events that were going on. Um, and, and I think that was smart marketing. Uh, but we still have that coming down the pike that we, we are going to be able to sell that naming rate at some point. And, and, and that, w- that will help us uh, right the ship w- when, when the time comes to. And yeah, I, I think our ability to financially ride out this storm is way better because we've always been more fiscally responsible as a club than a lot of the other top teams in the league. Um, so, yes, we're struggling and we're talking about it now more, that, but I'm not that worried. Uh, do you have any final points, Tommy, since you did the, probably the most research on this? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. John, did you have anything? Because uh, I don't think you've said anything yet. No, I I did. I spoke earlier. You about did. This, I'm so. sorry. I've been yep. spacing out then. I had but yeah, I, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. You guys pretty much summed up my additional thoughts. I'm just I, I'm kind of well. I'm mildly shocked that we did get the lower interest rate. I'm actually more surprised that Man United got the same interest rate as Spurs. Because well, it's they are... because of their revenue, though, isn't it? They they just bring in so much money, man. Commercially, they're just a di- on a different planet, man. You to any other oh, team. Oh, okay. 
yeah. that makes more sense. Merchandising, then. what they can bring, and yeah. just selling around the world. Yeah, they just have that benefit. But, um, but yeah, no, great topic of conversation. It'll be interesting to follow. I'm not that worried about it though. To to uh, to, to answer Kyle Mate's question, but, but yeah, this is. This is going to happen to everybody. We're just uh, the first to talk about it, and it's easy to pick on Spurs. Uh, so that's where the story, I think, comes from. Um, but uh, I do want to talk about the other story, which is uh, um, fans actually coming back into stadiums this December. So this is a bit more controversial of a topic, I think, for for many Spurs fans. Um, so... Uh, they're they're going to have limited. Uh, it sounds like about four thousand people, which is in a stadium of sixty thousand, is about what we see now uh, with some of the additions that we've had. Is that correct, Tommy? About right? We don't have Rick on the podcast. Sixty-two and change. Sixty-two and change. So so four thousand people. So we're we're talking about pretty socially distanced. I think what it comes down to for me is um, how well is it going to be handled? How fans are coming in and out of the stadium. Mm whether there's going to be concessions open and how that's handled to, to keep people socially distanced. Um, I do think that there's a benefit to slowly bringing fans in. Um, I do think that there's probably going to be an unbalance where those fans coming in first are probably going to be fans uh, uh, who are paying a lot more money early on, which is understandable for the club, but also it's uh, – um, for the people that have been following the club for years and years, that might not seem very fair to that that the 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 rich fans are the ones coming in first. Uh, but what do you guys think on this? Well, uh, that was my my uh, my thought when this happened is how they're going to pick that four thousand. And there's going to be uh, fifty eight thousand people that are going to be upset that they didn't get one of those four thousand tickets. And um, uh, to be honest, I know that the fans want to get back in the stadium, but um, do we need to? Do we need to do it? Um, I I don't know what the uh, what the studies have shown. Well, I know other countries. I mean, we've got uh, fans back in the stand in college football here. I think um, there are other countries. I mean, Australia is uh, about fifty percent capacity, but there. Their instances of COVID have dropped where they, you know, they get upset if they get one. Yeah. So um, it's obviously a completely different thing there. And, mm. you know, we heard on the news today, the third uh, vaccine is going to be available. We're going to get these vaccines. Um, I'm, I I really don't see why we have to open it for 4,000 people. It's going to make a difference to that four, but it's not going to make... It could really alienate some of the others. And, um, you know, let's face it, this we're in the middle of a global pandemic and football is important and I'm glad they're playing it, but bringing people back into the stands would not be one of the things I would, I would think... Uh, would be important for a country, quite honestly, that's trying to get out of this pandemic. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, I, I totally agree with John. Um, I think it's probably the government's way of kind of trying to lift spirits. It's a bit of a PR thing, isn't it? Like a bit of a morale kind of semi going back to normal because we've got some fans at the football grounds. Um, I... I think the game's doing fine without fans. You know, we're enjoying the matches. It's okay. There's still a danger that, that people need to be very cognizant of. And I don't know if this is 
really the smartest thing in the world. But I'm happy for those people who are able to go to the to the game. But I'm I I would sort of agree with John on this, and I think it's a bit of a cheap PR stunt more than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah one more thing, and that is, um, are all grounds going to get two thousand people if they've only got one level of stands? I mean, I look at some of the um, the smaller clubs. My my little another shout out for having them Waterlooville on TV in the FA Cup on Saturday. Um, <laughs> they normally get about nine hundred people. Well, yeah. So are they going to get their full crowd allowed to have their full crowd back? I, I think don't... it's a proportion uh, is what we're talking about. Um, like proportion of the stands is is everything that I've heard. It is going to be a socially distanced. But I haven't seen how they're going to manage it, which is more what I'm concerned with. I'm actually okay with the 4,000 fans going in, though I do think the the alienating longtime fans thing it could be the bigger issue to me. Um, yeah. Like I'm not that worried about 4,000 people being in in the st- in the stadium. I think you can remain socially distanced enough. It's outside. I, I think that that part's safe enough. It's how they're going to manage it that is important to me. Like. How do you manage the lines to make sure that people coming in the turnstile are are not crowding up too much? How are you going to prevent people? Do you close all concessions and just um, um, uh, because that just is going to create people congregating? How do you handle the bathrooms? Um, I I think that's all stuff that you have to resolve before you bring people in. But if it's going to be 4,000 people and it makes a morale difference, if it, uh, if it get, generates a little bit of revenue for the club, because um, th- those fans coming, those 4,000 fans coming in are, are spending a significant amount of money to be there. Um, and it gives a little bit of real authentic <laughs> crowd noise. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm okay with all that uh, as long as it's managed right. And that's what I don't necessarily trust that it's going to be managed right. But I want to hear what you think on this, Tommy. You kind of gave us the facts on it with your segment, but uh, wh- wh- how do you feel about this? I don't know. I'm kind of – I agree with John mostly that, I mean, vaccines are coming up. And I actually – I didn't realize the third one was coming up, but I saw one for uh, Pfizer, I think Johnson Johnson. The other one was AstraZeneca that I just saw. Yeah, Oxford so, in Oxford in England have come up with a um, a vaccine that is evidently over ninety percent effective, yeah. and does not need to be frozen, like the vaccine. Oh, so that's good. And it's much um, less expensive. Yeah, I did see that as well. So that's a definite bonus. I just, I don't know. For me, I th- I know it's going to be tough for Thanksgiving, Christmas time, but, but like. I like let's just nip this in the bud right now so we can get this out of the way once like or at least in America like oh once these get into phase five and we're like fully back to normal I mean it's probably going to take at least another year or so but it's just I, I know I get it people are antsy like psychologically this is taking a toll on people like if you're living by yourself you're lonely and you have nobody to talk to or meet it's I don't know it's just I think you really have to I don't know how to explain it it's just sporting events should be the least of worries and I know like I I enjoy going to the bar and seeing you guys 
all the time when you guys are there, but I mean, let's be realistic. Let's let's get her health in order first. Then we yeah. can worry about the sports. Or like it's it's you know, it's one of the things it's a good distraction to have, of course, but this is sports or like it's it's lower on the hierarchy of needs, so to speak, compared yeah. to what we what we really should focus on right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Fair, fair point. And I agree. I agree with what everybody's saying. I'm just like I want to hear the details. Um, I I think I could be okay with it if it was done the right way, but I don't trust that it's going to be necessarily done the right way, and that becomes an unnecessary risk, especially with these vaccines coming up. Uh, John, you have a quick point before we. Uh, Go to the yeah, team. I mean, I think Tommy was talking about potential revenue. I mean, 4,000 people, maybe 250,000 pounds of revenue. And um, yeah. that's not really, an, uh, or I don't think it's a reason. But uh, In the grand scheme of things, no, based on the debt, I would agree. But, I mean, you know, Danny, Daniel Lee, he's counting every penny, of course. So, yeah. he could, like, this can go towards something. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, g- great conversation, guys. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but we have two matches to preview, so I want to get into this topic. Uh, so first coming up this Thursday, which, uh, as I said before, is Thanksgiving here in the United States, uh, um, uh, a holiday of uh, the, the pilgrims coming and uh, pillaging the Native Americans, <laughs> I guess, um, uh, for, for you uh English supporters of our podcast, but but anyway, this Thursday we're taking on uh, Ludogorets Razgrad, uh, so a Bulgarian club, um, uh, at two p.m. here in Chicago. Uh, they currently sit first place in the Bulgarian first professional league with twenty six points. That's eight wins, two draws, and one loss. Um, their form is uh, most recently. Well, they had their uh, match uh, canceled this past weekend, which I think is in preparation for our match, which they're taking more seriously. But their previous form was a win, a loss, a win, a loss, and a win. So kind of alternating. The losses were both in the Europa League. Um, and they've, they've won consistently in their own league. Um, so upcoming, they do have a match on Sunday uh, in a league match. Uh, their top goal scorer is Claudio Kessru with five. Higino uh, Marin is right behind him with four. Dominic Yankov is their top assist man with four. And Bernard Tepetki is has three behind him. Uh, they don't rate the players with the same rating systems that we use in the Premiership. Uh, so I don't have a player rating. Uh, obviously, we've only faced them once, and we beat them three-one um, when we faced them earlier in the, in the Europa League competition on on the road. Um, so obviously, this is a team that we handled uh, when we traveled to their hometown. They're coming to see us this time around. Uh, we would think that we should be able to handle them, um, but we also mentioned that, our, that we have a might have a defense issue uh, uh, setting up against them um and we obviously have a big match coming up uh on the weekend um that we're going to talk about in a little bit so let's go to let's go to peter's question to kind of tackle this uh this topic of ludogorets uh, so tommy peter ask us uh, sure. 
Uh, looking ahead to Chelsea, how aggressive will Josie be with the starting 11 against Ludogorets? Uh, uh, John, I think you had your hand up first. Yeah, I think we've got a couple of issues we need to look at here, or that Mourinho is going to be thinking about. One, Ludogorets is out of the Europa Cup. They're, I don't think there's any way that they could get that second spot. So how strong a team are they going to put out? And the second is we have to be thinking about winning our division because that way we can avoid the Champions League drop-down teams. So um, it's, it's an interesting conundrum, I think, for, for Mourinho to see um, how he's going to look at those two issues. And you add into the pot the game at Chelsea on the weekend um it's it's i think that's going to be a, a pretty tricky balancing act by him yeah uh, joe like john says ludigrets are, are out they're the they're the weakest team in this group so of all the remaining free europa games this would be the one where you'd expect to see mass rotation i, I actually think he'll play a totally rotated team I know he was annoyed after the Antwerp game, so we picked a, a strong team for the last Ludogrets match. But I think this it makes no sense at all risking Son, Kane, you know, your main guys like that, Hoybier, in this game. Uh, we need to keep those guys wrapped in cotton wool for the Chelsea game. I really hope he plays a totally rotated side. I think we can beat Ludogrets easily with a weakened team. So... To John's, I, I agree with John that we want to win the group. I think that'll boil down to the Antwerp game. If we beat Antwerp, we should be, we should win the group um, at home in a, in a mm -hmm. month or whenever that is. So yeah, I, I would massively rotate for this game. Okay, uh, Tommy. Yeah, I can agree to that. I but here's the thing: it's a three-way tie on points. So I don't know. I guess to John's point, I would like to think that if Ludogorets. Or I guess who are they playing this upcoming weekend? Um, so it, dep it depends on that as well. So I think Jose is at least going to put a few really good players on the on the field, and then once the game is won, they'll probably he'll probably swap them out. Because well, to, to answer your, to answer your question, fast they, they play Botev uh, Vretz. Oh, where are they so on the table? They're pretty low on the table. This is, okay. It should be in, in in like I said, they had their their previous match canceled from the, this past weekend, so they didn't not play anybody on the twenty first. It was canceled. Okay. So they so it, they they're rested and uh, ready to play. So they probably will feel the stronger squad. Uh, yeah, in theory, and uh, yeah, and they're rested too, so it's possible. But so I think if we just get the win, because we're up three goals on Antwerp in goal differential, so. I, I don't know. I think Jose will probably put out a squad that is good enough to at least win. I mean, we should anyways. Yeah, I think in. I think our under twenty threes would beat Ludogrets at home. I mean, I don't see Actually, this given as. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, but also I think the other my the first well, tiebreaker is not goal differential though. Just to be fair, it's head me. to head. It's head to head in the okay. league, I believe. But gotcha. then it's goal difference after that. So if we beat Antwerp, they only beat us by one goal. If we beat Antwerp by three goals at home... Yeah, that's the, the more important game yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the argument I'm trying to make is 
we beat Lask, we beat Ludogorets, lost to Antwerp. So I think Jose probably fielded out, fielded out stronger squads as well. Aside from the response from the loss to Antwerp, so we don't have to worry about this in November, late November and December. So we at least, I mean, we have a definitely, I mean, there's a possibility that we could not qualify for the next round, but we're at least set up in a good position where we don't, where Josie doesn't need to put out a top tier squad, I guess is what I'm trying to say. John? Yeah. um, I guess the question is, does he start off with a strong team and then pull them back? Or does he start off with a team that he thinks can do the job and leave Kane and Son on the bench and then bring them in later Mm. if we need them? Yeah. Because that way, if we don't need them, we don't play them. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Good point. I'd rather go with that route because, like, for example, Vinicius, I I want him to get the most amount of minutes possible. Yeah, give yeah. a start. Just in case. Yeah, yeah so... Stop. Or, like, sure. I mean, I know Lamella is... It, or, like, Bergvine. He hasn't been playing recently. because he, he played on Saturday. Well, I mean, before that. Or, like, he he got sent home um, on international duty. So, like, give him the depth. Let, you know, let Winks play. Um, get Davis to play, etc. And then... We, well, Bale we can... needs Bale needs minutes, doesn't he, for fitness? So I think he's the first yeah. name on the team sheet. I'd say maybe twenty. Well, well, I'd still put him on as a sub. Maybe 30, 25, 30 minutes. I think should be fine, in my opinion, of course. Because um, I mean, Bale's getting older. I'd rather not. I'd rather have him play the matches that need that we really need him for. I don't think he'll play Bale against Chelsea. Um, because he pl- the reason he played Bergwijn against City is for the pace on the break, and I think against Chelsea it might be similar. But I think he might start Lucas in that game. Um, but I-, I could be completely wrong, of course. But I, I really want to see Bale get some minutes in this. So I, Vinicius and Bale, I'd love. I, I think those guys should start. Winks needs a start. Um, keep him, you know, keep him sharp. Um. Then, like you guys say, though, that's the the big dilemma in this game, really, is who plays centre-back. Because yeah. we've got Chelsea on sun- Sunday. Toby's likely... To, well, Toby's going to miss that game, right, through injury. So the question is, who does Mourinho want to play on Sunday? And who will he play? I think he'll play Sanchez against Ludogretz, probably, and play Rodon against Chelsea. But that's kind of worries me a bit just because he's inexperienced I don't know what do you guys think who who's he going to play I, I, that's the dilemma for me is well, well I definitely see Sanchez playing Sanchez probably uh, we we might see Tanganga return for for this yeah. Yeah. I, like, it's a possibility uh, yeah John? is he is he well that's what uh, the question I was going to ask is he fit now he yeah, is. He's, he's been training with the team he's if uh, he's if he's fit I can see him getting a game in uh, in Ludacris. I think yeah, it would be a good opportunity for him to get a match. Yeah. I looked at uh, premierinjuries.com. It said his potential return is the 26th. And that is pretty up to date from what I... Because it used to be called Physio Room. Yeah, yeah, I used to um, that too. So it's, from what I remember, it's pretty ac- relatively accurate in terms of tracking. So He's been I training with the team this week, yeah. so... I, my only issue is I don't know if Josie is going to throw him in the deep end. But like, hey, I know you've been injured for a while, but you're going to start on Thursday. 
Well, but this isn't the deep end, though. I mean, at home, I think I could do a job at home centre-half to Luda Gretz. I mean, they're not going to cross the halfway line. It's probably perfect for someone coming back from injury to play against this. But, well, from a minute's standpoint, Mm. that's 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 my opinion, at least. Yeah. But you have the five subs in the the Europa still, so that that gives you the benefit that that you can start a guy like that, and if he needs to be subbed off because he's... uh, uh, still getting up to fitness, uh, then you can pull him off in the 50th minute or the 55th minute and, or yeah. even halftime if, if the match isn't going as well as you want. Um, I do think it's going to be a heavily rotated squad. I agree with you guys. Um, I do think that we'll have uh, those guys available on the bench. We do have the benefit that we're playing at home and then our weekend match is at Chelsea, so we don't really have to do any serious travel for that match. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does give us that benefit here which we don't often have with the Europa League rolling into a, a league match that's uh, that's key like we're we're used to coming back from Bulgaria and then having to play a team like Chelsea so this is hmm. th- this is actually a nice little bonus so I, we could rotate in some of the key players if we need them but I agree that I think we should set up with like a Vinicius and I I've heard rumors that maybe Lamella will be healthy but maybe not until the weekend, if he was available, I would put him in this match. Um, maybe Deli Ali gets a start for a change. Oh, uh, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think I think a lot of people. Have, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah, I think this is a good Deli game. Um, uh, like I could see Deli Bale, Vinicius as our attacking band, and um, and see where that goes. And um, I think that could be. I think they should be able to handle it. And then like with the winks behind them and probably Sissoko cause he's a machine. Um, uh, the third midfielder is kind of, uh, the, the question mark for me. If you don't want, if you want to give Hoy bear a rest, uh, uh, but, um, maybe, I would like to see him get rested. maybe, Lo yeah, Celso, Celso uh, probably because I think what he'll play at Chelsea is Hoy um, Sizoko and and Dombele, like he did against City, and I think what he's doing at the moment, Mourinho, is he because Sizoko is the the engine, right? Sizoko is the legs who's just going to cover the ground. He's going to say to Ndombele, like he did against Man City, just run around, do the most you can for one hour. Then he hooks him like clockwork on the sixty minutes and brings in Lacelso, and I think that's quite a smart tactic. Because yeah. then Ndombele doesn't have to worry about his fitness so much. He just goes for it until he's flagging, and then you bring in a really capable replacement in Lacelso, So I really like that tactic. Um, so I think maybe Lacelso starts the Ludigretz game just for minutes. Oh, side note, I, I completely forgot, but Jack Clark might actually get minutes again. Oh, oh yeah, that could I'd love again. to see that. Yeah, I could see him get a substitution on. Like, I don't think yeah. he'll start this one, but I could yeah, see Yeah, me either. It's here because he is available. But definitely the, the center backs are the issue. We can't afford to have anybody get hurt or else we're going to be playing somebody out of position there. And uh, I don't think we want to see like uh, Hoy Bear in center back or something because it's uh, we're just risking somebody getting hurt. Uh, John? Yeah, I think it's more likely we'll move Davis into the, the yeah. center back rather sure. than Hoberg. But uh, what about Doherty? Is, um, is he he's, still be... got, he's got COVID, so he's, he's, he's still, still have to quarantine. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be another week after this that he's he's back available. So that yeah. doesn't give us too many choices to to um, give Aurier a break. 
No, that's he's a good gonna point. have to play probably both of these, and that's uh, Tanganga could probably play at fullback out of position. He's, he's yes, done it he before. could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and at it's least sub in halfway or something. Well, we didn't. Jedson, we are everyone's forgotten about Jedson. It's like he never existed, but he's not even on the list because he, he could have just plugged in a gap for this game. You know, these aren't yeah. a good team. He could have just played him wherever and got away with it, but he's not even in the squad. So, yeah, that's a good point about right back. I'd rather we kept Serge fresh. We don't want him playing Man City 90 minutes, Ludigrets, and then Chelsea in the space of the week. That's that's a lot of uh, that's too much. That's, that's a big ask. Yeah. 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 yeah so that, that's the big question for me. Well, I think this is a good spot to go to predictions. So let's uh, let's start with predictions, and we'll start with Tommy this time. Okay, so what I wrote down is we're going to win 3-0. But, I mean, now I kind of wish I did. But I, the scores I have are Mora, Vinicius, and Deli Ali. Okay, good show. And uh, John? I'm going to go with 2-0. I think that... Um, uh, that's going to be more likely, and 2-0 will be a great result. There's no two ways about it. And I think Vinicius and Bale. Okay, good. We'll get a couple of goals. We'll good prediction. Go. Uh, so, Joe? Yeah, same same as Tommy said, 3-0. Um, Vinicius, Bale, and who else we got? Let's say Lucas Mora for the other Okay. Uh, I have 3-1. I think that they'll get one in because we're not going to be playing our strongest defense. Um, it's not going to be our top squad. I think we, we might have uh, some leakiness into our defensive structure, uh, but that's fine. Um, they get a lucky goal, but we, we managed to get three across. I'm going to predict a Vinicius goal, a Bale goal, and a Delhi goal. I, I do hope that Delhi plays, and I want to see him actually take his chance this time because the last couple of times that he's been given an opportunity, we haven't seen much. And to be fair to him, he hasn't, ha- he hasn't had a lot of run of play to get into form, but I I'd really like to see a good Delhi performance for this match. Cause um, put him at least back into the general picture, or at least market him for sale. If we really don't think he's part yeah. of moving of our squad moving forward. Yeah, keep his value up for sure. Get him in the shop window if, if that's the way it's going to go. You need him to play. His, his value's just dropping like a stone if he's on the bench all the time. So yeah. yeah, but if he plays and doesn't and plays the way he's played the last couple of times he's had a chance, his value's going to be on the floor anyway. Um, I, I think, I mean, he's really got to step it up and he's had two or three opportunities to do that and he hasn't done it. So yeah, I think that if they put him in, this could be if he doesn't if he doesn't play with the passion that he's had in the past, it could be the end we see of him. You know, the last we see of him. Yeah, I uh, I hope that he comes in and does well. But yeah, I agree with you, John. That like he can put some nails in the coffin if he mm-hmm. uh, if he has any more bad performances. Um, but I, that was a great conversation on that. But we have another big match to talk about this weekend, and we've been running long, so I do want to get into it. Uh, we have a couple of questions on this one as well. So uh, this weekend on Sunday, Sunday, November 29th, we take on Chelsea. That's 1030 here in Chicago that we take them on. Um, they currently sit and actually I forgot to look it up. Uh, what, what I think they're still in uh, third, I think. Uh, th- third, third, place place. Now. third place now in the league with 15 points. That's four wins, three draws and one loss. Uh, their most recent match was a 2-0 win this weekend at Newcastle. 
Uh, prior to that, they beat Sheffield. They beat uh, Rennes. Is, is it, it's Rennes or Rennes? It's Rennes. French it's team. Rennes. Rennes. Uh, Bur- uh, they beat Burnley prior to that, and then they beat uh, uh, um, uh, Rennes prior to that as well. Um, so uh, upcoming midweek, they do um, have. Uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, like the, uh, they have Rennes coming up down the weekend. So I must have screwed up my notes here, uh, but they did have a win against. Oh, it's Chris Novdar. Krasnodar. Krasnodar, yeah. So they, that's who they, they, their final win was in that sequence. So I apologize for my complete screw-up. Now that I've uh, made a mess of this, we'll, we'll keep rolling on here. Um, but they do take on uh, Sevilla on the weekend. Uh, their top goal scorer is Timo Werner with four. Kurt Zuma and Tammy Abraham and Jorginho all have three goals behind him. Um their top assist man is Zayek with three. Chilwell is be- and Timo Werner are behind him with two. Chilwell is the top-rated player with 7.81, and Werner is behind him with 7.51. The last five times that we've faced Chelsea, the most recent one we'll remember, we uh, beat Chelsea in the League Cup uh, on penalty kicks after tying 1-1 in regulation. Um the previous four times that we faced them prior to that, we have lost each one of those. So that was uh, three premier, uh, three Premier League matches, and then going back to the League Cup in January 2019. So it's been kind of a bad run of form, other than the uh, the most recent um, turnaround and uh, win on penalties, which is the first time I think I'd ever seen Spurs win on penalties. Um, but where are you guys sitting on this one? How are you feeling about this this match? Are you worried? Are you optimistic after our city performance? Um, I want to start with Joe because I, I I know you have pretty strong feelings about uh, how Chelsea looks this year. So uh, let's hear from Joe first. Yeah, well, I, this is a massive game, absolutely huge because. You look at, it's probably the two form teams. I mean, Liverpool obviously are up there, but they had that big loss to Villa. Other than that, Chelsea, ever since they had that home draw with Southampton, where they drew 3-3, they've really improved a lot since then. And this is like, this is such a big game, um, especially away from home for us, such a test after beating City. And... I actually think it's a good time to play them. And I I would say on top of that, it's the kind of team that we want to play. I weirdly feel more confident when we play against teams that attack us, like City did, like Southampton, to be fair, had a go at us and we scored six past or five past them, scored six at United. We struggle against the West Broms and the Burnleys of the world who just put up a you know, sit back, park the bus, that's when we struggle. When we play teams who go at us like Chelsea will, that kind of suits us, especially on the break. So I think Chelsea are a really good team. I think at the end of the season, both these teams are going to be top four, along with United, uh, sorry, along with Liverpool and Man City. I think that top four is pretty much nailed on. Maybe Leicester is an outsider, but you could pretty much say now they're the best four teams. Um, And I'm... Well, John's been a Spurs fan for longer longer than me, but I, I've been a Spurs fan almost 30 years and we've won 
once away at Chelsea in that time. One one game in any competition. So it's very difficult for me to be too optimistic with that statistic in mind. But I, I mean, I think we've got a really good chance of, of getting a result. Um, and it's going to be a really good game for the neutral as well, I'm, I'm sure. Well, Tommy, let's go to Rick's second question before, uh, we'll, and we'll let John answer first and, and go to his points next. Uh, so Rick uh, asked us a question on this match. Yes, he does. Uh, Rick's question is, I think beating Chelsea would be a huge statement of intent and make us genuine title contenders. What do you think? Well, I, I would agree with him. Um, I'm not so confident of a win. Um, we've, we've been on a good run, but uh, as Joe said, the history is behind us. Um, it's not good for us. I do remember us beating them in the Carling Cup as I was there at Wembley when we beat Chelsea in overtime. So I know the feeling of beating them. But they are a team that is very strong this year, as uh, as Joe indicated. Um, I think if we come out of there with a draw, we'll do well. They won't overtake us. A draw would not hurt us. If we lose, it's going to hurt us. We'll be, um, you know, they'll they'll jump over us. Um, I think at the beginning, uh, you mentioned that they were five, three, and one. They're, they're four, three, and one. They're five, three, and one with eighteen points. So they're only two points behind us. Um, I'm, I think a draw would be good for us. And I, um, I have a feeling that that's the way it's going to end up. Um, now that's the, that's the pragmatic side of me. The excited Spurs supporter part of me is let's stuff them and, um, <laughs> you know, we'll take them, you know, we're playing well, we should be able to take anybody on. Let's, let's go for it. But, um, uh, that's, that's how I feel. I, 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 I agree with that. Like, I. I, I'm very nervous about this. Anytime that we go to the bridge, like I'm very nervous. Um, and I certainly remember the mess that was the battle of the bridge. And, um, and, and I don't think we're the same squad. Like uh, that's not going to happen. They're not the same squad. That's not going to happen again. And I do think that their style of play right now, that they're playing at home, they have to take us on. And that does suit us. Um, if we can absorb the pressure and we have to be able to absorb that pressure without a, without Toby um, and without Toby to kind of start the counterattacks at times, like uh, with, which he is an asset to, um, we're, we're going to have to see how the, the rest of our defenders can hold up against a, a squad like this and, and, and whether they can be the, the start to that counterattack as well. Um, so there's a lot that I'm nervous about, uh, but I do think we're on some fantastic form, and this is certainly a big challenge. And if Jose goes to uh, to to Chelsea's home, and and we perform the same way that we did against uh, City, I'm th- that would be a huge day for Spurs. It would mean that we're we're remaining at the top of the table. It would mean that uh, we're preventing Chelsea from moving up the table, um, and that we beat them at Stamford Bridge, and that's and, and that's tough enough for us to do, just historically speaking, uh, without like anything about our current squad in the picture. Like that's always a tough match to just go there and try and win. So I agree with Rick. Like it would be a huge statement. I'm a little nervous about whether it would happen. Where do you fall on this, Tommy? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I am not confident of a win. I would gladly take a tie, but I think we're, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost. Um, I Chelsea, they're a strong squad. They got a lot of firepower. And, of course, our record against them away at the bridge, it's not great. Uh, I, we got we got to do just as well uh, against Man or like against Man City to beat Chelsea. We need, and unfortunately, Toby's going to be out for a while. So whether it be Sanchez, Dyer, Tanganga, whoever, like the center back pairing is probably going to be the most vital. Yeah. We know that we can. We know that we can score. Uh, we've been firing all, on all cylinders for a while. Um, so I don't have any issue in terms of at least getting chances. It's, I don't know, I suspect uh, Hugo Lloris will have a long 90 minutes ahead of him because he's probably going to have to do, I mean, he's been very confident just because of the center back pairing of Toby and Dyer recently. Mm-hmm. But because of, the changes that are going to have to be made, he's probably going to be like, I have to do more to cover for these, uh, for these potential errors. And that may lead to a potential slip up. So I'm hoping that Hugo has the game of his life, but well, you know, we'll see, I guess. We have a question from uh, Shubes that I kind of want to, we'll wrap up the topic of Chelsea with, I think um, before we go to our prediction. So, uh, so let's answer Shub's question. Sure. Uh, Shub said or asked, did the performance of Sergio Reguilon against uh, Riyad Mahrez make you more or less confident of him versus Ziyech? Ran circles around both around us in both semifinals and will be extra motivated to play, off, play us. Um, what are the key matchups for you in the tie against the Chabs? So I, I think uh, he's bringing Regulan up, and I think that is a key, obviously a key matchup. Um, let, let's talk about some of the other potential matchups that we could see in a Chelsea squad, like uh, how does Kane match up against the defense? How, who are we going to see uh, facing each other in the midfield here? Uh, Joe? Well, the key, I, I think you guys already hit on this, but for me, the key is how our centre-backs deal with Timo Werner, bearing in mind that Alderweireld's out. Because we play in this system where we play this like low block, we let the opposition have the ball, then we break. And that, like Tommy mentioned, that works great when you've got a keeper who trusts his two centre-backs and Hoybier in front of them. But when you take one of those components out, that's when it really puts that under a bit of pressure and it's going to be difficult for whoever comes in because it's either going to be Davinson who's really out of form. You know, his last game was that West Ham debacle. So he's not in a good place. Or it's um, someone who's barely played, which is going to be the Tanganga who's been injured or Rodon who's a new signing. So it's not like we've got a ready-made replacement for Alderweireld. Um, so I see that has been the, the crucial matchup. Um, uh, Regulon, I feel great about. He's one of our better players. I, I think he'll be fine. 
Ziyech is a good player, but I don't worry about Regulon. I thought he had a great game against Chelsea in the League Cup game, even though he made a mistake for their goal in the first 20 minutes or whatever it was. He was really good after that. Um, but yeah, I think our centre-backs versus Werner is the key uh, battle. John? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what Mourinho does. If he puts Rodon in, then I'm going to be very intrigued to see him because he won't put him in unless he thinks he can do the job. Yeah. Um, and if he comes in and does a strong job, what a fantastic first game that'll be for him. Yeah. Um, if we don't see him, I think that that's because Mourinho is a bit concerned that he's a bit raw. Uh, now, having said that, he's played for Wales on a number of occasions, and um, he's he's got good experience. Uh, so do you go with the experience elsewhere, or do you go with Tang- Tangana, or however you pronounce it? Tangana, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, who's also fresh off an injury. Do you bring Davis in to the inside and put Regulon outside him? Um, I'd, I'd, I'm going to be very, very interested to see how Mourinho lays out that back four. I think that's going to be uh, uh, that's going to show us what Mourinho thinks, and um, I'm intrigued to see what he's going to go with. Yeah, and I, I'm also interested to see um, does Bale start to? Is this the first time that we see the the, the Kane son Bale? Uh, uh, we we got to see it, and it wasn't a very Bright performance. Uh, um, well, uh, why am I brain freezing? It was Burnley, West, right? West Brom. Oh, so, no, West, West Brom. Brom, it was, it was West yeah. Brom. Yeah, it was West Brom. Like it was a poor, pretty ugly performance. But I think you don't want to start necessarily those three guys against a uh, team that's parking the bus on you. Um, but I think they. I think I think Mourinho wanted to see what that looked like. Um, now maybe he didn't like what he saw, and that's why we didn't see it against. Uh, uh, city, um, but I'm wondering if we could see that combination. I'm wondering if we could see the Lo Celso and Ndombele both in the midfield uh, that we've been talking about. Um, though I do agree with Joe that the, um, it, to, to have like either one of those guys on the bench to be able to come off and be an impact sub is an amazing thing to be able to do um, because it does create a slight tactical shift that can be beneficial to you. Um, and I think Jose likes that. Um, but the, the, there's definitely some interesting matchups, and, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about um, uh, what Jose seems as important, because you know he wants to win uh, at Chelsea. Oh, um, yeah. yeah the, the, this is, he definitely has something to prove there. Um, yeah. So he's going to do what he thinks is going to work the best. And uh as nervous as I am, um, I'm also getting kind of excited that if we do pull it off, this could be a huge statement for Spurs, as Rick yes. pointed out. Um, in, any final thoughts before we go to predictions? Well, I was just going to quickly say, Anthony, you hit on something there that made me think. So, Kane, Kane and Son against, I, I think, Zuma. He's having a decent season for Chelsea, but he's pretty clumsy. He's a big, strong guy, but he's he's not the most nimble-footed. And I just think if we can isolate Son against Zuma at the back, it, it could be one of those where Kane's dropping off a little bit. 
trying to play that dinked pass and Sun's coming in behind. I can see Sun having quite a bit of success um, if he gets one-on-one with with Zuma just because Sun's going to be able to run run past him. So I think that's going to be something that we always try that tactic anyway, but especially in this game, it might uh, it might suit us. Yeah, no, definitely. I could I could see that. Now, whether Bell is useful in that picture, I'm not not sure. I, I think we could see him being more of like an impact sub off the bench if we need him, but um, but it'll be interesting to see what Jose thinks um, with this one. And uh, like, uh, do we see the full strength squad that we've been pining for, or Jose d- has other ideas for how to set up the squad and use guys more as su- impact subs, which I think he he does to a certain extent. Um, well, great conversation there, but I think it's a good place to go to predictions on this one. Uh, so we will start with, uh, Joe this time for predictions. Yeah, well, kind of John already pretty much hit on what I was thinking, that this has got, I think it's going to be a draw, which I think is a favourable result for us if it is a draw. So, again, it's very hard for me to predict a win when in one time in about 28 years is is all we've got there as as victories. So I'm going to say it's going to be 1-1. And I think that Son will be the the goal scorer. I think if Thiago Silva plays even more so, he's obviously old, can be run at. And I think some might have the, the pace on those guys at the back. And I think he'll get our goal in a 1-1 draw. Okay. Uh, John? Well, I'm still on the fence here. Um, I I think that Son has an opportunity to score a couple of goals. I, I think Joe's, for all the reasons that Joe mentioned. So we're going to get two. So then is my prediction that they get two or that they get one? Um, I'm going to say that they get two uh, because our back line is not as strong as as it was against Manchester City. So uh, I'm still thinking with my head and not my heart. My heart says 2-1 win. My brain says 2-2. So Hmm. my prediction is going to be 2-2. Okay. Uh, Tommy? John, who scores? Did you say Sun was getting both? Sun was scored two. Okay, cool. Uh, I also predicted a 2-2 draw and the good old dependable Kane and Sun score. Okay, that's a, obviously a, always a good prediction. I I, I was about to say 2-2, but um, I want one of us to be optimistic here. And, and I'm going to be the optimist this time. And I'm going to say that we actually pull out a win here. It's going to be a tough-fought battle. Um, it's going to be 3-2, so it will be a, a, an active, exciting match. Um, I do think we get a goal from Kane. We get a goal from Son. And I'm going to say that we get a bo- goal from Bale off the bench. Like I think he's the one that gives us the winner coming off the bench. Um, and, and how exciting would that be? Um, yeah. To defeat Chelsea at the bridge with with Bale coming off the bench and putting in the uh, the winning goal. So I hope I'm right. Um, I, I fear that you guys are right, and it's going to be a, a draw situation. But um, but regardless, like I'm very excited to watch this match and and what we're seeing now, uh, looking down from the top of the table. Um, this is a, a very exciting time, whatever happens. And, and, and even if we're not at the top of the table after next weekend, um, uh, the fact that we were able to take it and hold it for a week and 
we still have the opportunity to compete for that position moving forward over the the next few weeks is just a so exciting to me. So any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode? I well, think I, we should I think we should end as we started. We're top of the league. Top yeah. of the league. I was so, just going to yeah. say the same thing, but it's the first time this podcast has ever been released with Tottenham at the top, right? Oh yeah, yeah, we've never released an episode well, we were sitting at the top of the league. We've gone to the top and then uh, later that day been knocked back down from the top. But this yeah. is the first time that we have recorded a podcast sitting at the top of the league. So that's a very exciting thing. Um, great, great conversation, guys, today. Thank you so much for being on, John, Joe, Tommy. I, I really appreci- appreciate the conversation. But that about wraps it up. So... Thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today, Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, Tommy for back page update, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill, even though we're not uh, recording there now, uh, just because they've been for, uh, there for us as a place to watch uh, when we can. Um, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Hit the subscribe button and rate us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast, or give us a review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.